Welcome, everybody, to episode 218 of the Metabolist 2 podcast, which features David and Ben. And this is our final episode of 2022. Ooh, goodbye, 2022. Hello, 2023. And one year later on, we're going to talk about the 2022 New Year's Day special. That's even the Daleks. <laughs> Why not? What better time could there be? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We've had a year to marinate on it. Yeah, exactly. I've had a week. You've had a year. <laughs> oh, I, I did. We did. We did a rewatch last night, so it's it's all fresh. Oh, excellent, yeah, yeah. excellent, fresh, fresh. Um, they started doing New Year's Day ones, right? And then this was a New Year's Eve one. Yeah, that was the Chibnall innovation. Yeah. Um, I I actually read today. Spoiler alert: that we're going back to Christmas specials with RTD two. So, so I, the first thing that's jumped out to me on this one is that it was very, it's like, um, it was like 42. So, like, Chibnall is wanting to write, like, a Groundhog Day Doctor Who, just like he wanted to write a 24 Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is. It's a, it's a Dalek forward Groundhog Day where our heroes have to repeat themselves. And every time they repeat themselves, they learn a new thing. Um, until they escape, which actually, you know, it's not bad. That's not a bad conceit for it. And I don't think it's been done in Doctor Who before. We've had time loops. But, um, yeah, I mean, plot-wise, pretty good, really. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, This is Chibnall's Heaven Sent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where the Doctor learns something new each time. True. Or advances the escape each time a little bit more. So it it seemed to me, in many ways, a combination of Heaven Sent and, like you said, some other Doctor Who stories. So it's fitting a theme, and I think even Dan name checks Groundhog's. Oh, Day. does he? Oh, I missed that bit. Right. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, that would be obvious. One thing, one thing I picked up actually. I mean, we're obviously going to dot around a bit on this one. Is that something I didn't really pick up? properly the first time round is the Yaz gooning after the Doctor, um, making big kind of moony, 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 I'm in love with you eyes, mm-hmm. which is quite subtle, actually. And I hadn't picked that up the first time. And now, of course, I know that there's a big payoff for that. Um, <laughs> it became more, became, became more obvious. So mm-hmm. good, good, good on him. Otherwise, I mean, again, you know, uh, guest stars are good. Uh, uh, Ashling B is a very funny stand-up comedian and she does a great job delivering the the comedy and some of the drama i thought you've got mrs what's her name from um, father ted as her mother that's a nice little you know pauling mclynn that's it that's the one yeah um yep yep I mary yep i don't know i don't know what she is on father ted i can't remember but she's the you know the idiot housekeeper um <laughs> and um it's it's a you know it's a it's a it, we're all in one location that's good I always like seeing Daleks, as you know, so that that's a plus. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I was too sold on the uh, new weaponry. Really? You don't like that kind of machine gun spinning no, I, execution, I mean, I, executioner Dalek, I think is what they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, they were very poor shots, <laughs> which actually, Daleks aren't usually that bad. I mean, Daleks are usually pretty good shots. They were good and bad in the story. It depends on what Chibnall required them to do. They were great shots when it came to actually, okay, now it's time to end this bit of the time loop and go to the next bit. True, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Or when the story required it, like when Nick ducked and uh, the two Daleks shot each other. They were excellent shots there. Um, they also, also my, my lovely wife also was confused why the Dalek decided to wait 
outside the unit door um, when it could have just blasted in the Dalek. It just blasted in at that point. Of course, it needed to wait outside so that the characters could have a conversation um, and advance the plot a little bit. So, But anyway. I thought the door was made of Dalekanium or something. (laughs) (laughs) Could be. Could be. Yeah, there was there's convenient bits like that to let some exposition go yeah. and happen during the story. So um, overall, I think it was pretty good. I didn't have high expectations in this, and I think that always helps going into a Chris Chibnall story. It does, uh, yes. Chibnall usually does Dalek stories pretty well. I like Resolution. I like uh, the one with uh, Jack Robertson. Yeah revolution that's the one yeah yeah with the drone daleks yes yes he writes good daleks according to you i think serviceable daleks they're always new year's specials it worked i thought the daleks were fairly effective they weren't uh doing the washington generals of just kind of letting the doctor walk all over them all the time they had uh, well, I can't, was it like five time loops, five minutes where they won until finally they, they lost out at the end? So, yeah. you know, they had their day. Yeah. They had their eve. One thing that was kind of, I think it concerned me the first time round, and actually it was concerning me again this time round, is that it's always seemed to me that being killed by a Dalek is incredibly painful. I don't know whether that's true or not, because obviously A, Daleks don't exist, and B, even if they did exist, I've not been killed by one. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if I had been killed by one, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. So, you know, it, and again, <laughs> um, but the illustrates with the way that you, 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 you know, certainly in traditional Dalek killing from Classic Who, you know, you freeze um, with your arms up in the air, you go negative for a bit, and then you fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. It, it, it always seemed to me that the Dalek blaster is, you know, is a is kind of electrocution death it seems to be something electrical hmm. as obviously fits with the daleks originally being powered by static electricity etc 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 so the fact that our heroes were killed by daleks five or six times i would be i would have been incredibly traumatized i would agree with you even after the first time i'd be like mm-hmm. don't want to be killed by a dalek uh, now even though i will come back to life again in fact that sounds horrible so, two comments on that. Yeah. First off, after being killed by Daleks four or five times, that would have been the time for Dan to say, you know, <laughs> have a good have a good life. That's I'm enough. Now. <laughs> uh, being being on a space train and getting hit by a stray cyber bullet, Not... you know, that should have never happened. <laughs> you know, if if Dan was having second thoughts about this lifestyle or this adventuring with the doctor, being shot five times or whatever by the Daleks, that should have done it. Agreed, because it would have totally done it for me. I'd be like, no, 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 I don't care anymore. I'm off. Right. There's apparently a back door, um, so I'm just going to take that back door and see you. Bye. Yep. Uh, second thought on it is I always thought Dalek lasers were like a massive burst of x-ray type radiation okay that so they in, inverted you you saw in in there was kind of a skeletal effect here where you got to see the doctor and everyone's skeleton i always thought it was just a massive burst of radiation right because there's never any scars or anything or burn marks oh that's true so yeah so it's less less maybe less static electricity maybe just a huge kind of radiation right flash right right so it's interesting how you you have 
you know, your idea of what the Dalek death is. And I have I always thought it was like X-ray radiation. Yeah. But equally, it's got to be incredibly painful. Yes. I think getting killed. Well, I mean, obviously, I've never been killed. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not really saying I'm not really don't have any experience to, to, to fall back on here. Um, I think being killed is always painful. I think dying is probably OK. I, but I've never died. So, you know, I can't say that. But, you know, dying in your sleep, mm-hmm. dying in a bed, you know, I don't know. You've got cancer or something and yeah, you've got morphine. It's all good. That's mm-hmm. that seems fine ish. I'm not looking forward to it. But, you know, I, that'll be fine when it comes. But getting killed, like being shot by a bullet or having your head chopped off or, I don't know, being burnt as a witch or something, um, being zapped by a huge amount of X-ray radiation or static electricity, it's going to hurt. Even though you you know you're going to come back to life again, you're going to try and avoid that happening to you. I think that's a given. And that seems to be like a big plot hole here, really. Plot hole or just a convenience of this narrative. Yeah. Maybe death by Dalek is not painful at all. Maybe Maybe it's like, ooh, lovely. I I can't imagine it being pleasant. But the characters, I think, did react uh, not wanting to die again. And they were afraid of the Daleks. Right, uh, right. Until that penultimate time where they were trying to set up a distraction to try to throw the Daleks off for what their plan was. Yeah. The kind of fake out before the, you know, the pre-credits when, you know, everyone gets killed by Daleks. Yeah. That wasn't fooling anyone, really. It certainly didn't fool Amanda, who said, well, obviously they're not dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because obviously they're not. Um, so... I possibly would have had the time loop, I don't know, constricting and like everybody kind of like pops back down to like where they were originally kind of thing without dying. But anyway, that, that's just me mm. trying to rewrite the story mm. as usual. Well, I it did get constricted. It was just supposed to be a minute less each time. Exactly. But I, I would have had the constriction kill people rather than the Daleks every time having to zap you. I see. But what fun would be that? Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I think different, you've got a different definition of fun than me. But yeah. As a viewer, as a viewer you true, wanna, true. I mean, yep. as the viewer, you want to see the Daleks uh, do Dalek-y things. Yep. And what more than extermination. Exactly. Um, I do wonder what is with now we've had the nanny in Dr. Mysterio who was also the superhero, who's kind of a stocky, creepy, creepy guy. And then we have Nick, who's also kind of really creepy with keeping all yeah. his ex-girlfriend stuff in storage yeah. and then having this unspoken crush on Sarah. Uh, what is with these showrunners and the way they write males <laughs> or men with crushes on women? Is it, is, it seems really creepy to me. It does. It, it is creepy. And... I mean, Nick ends up being a fine character, but he, A, begins by being weird and creepy. Yes. And also unbelievable as well, which is not, which is not helpful. Um, so, you know, he's got a crush on Sarah, but he mm-hmm. only sees her once a year. Well, how old is he? I mean, I mean... They both looked in their 30s to me. So, <laughs> so as he's been doing this for like a decade or something. Uh, I don't know, coming once a year to, because he knows she works New Year's Eve. She probably works other days. Right. Um, that's weird. He didn't... I mean, you know, I don't really have any... Uh, he's, not a, he's not a real person, so I, 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 can't, I can't really extrapolate too much. But he doesn't seem to me to be someone who would have a lot of girlfriends. No. 
and certainly the way he behaves towards Sarah. So I don't know how he was able to fill an entire storage unit with things that he has had left behind from his old girlfriends. Right. Um, I think he's much more likely that he's a serial killer, um, <laughs> which, again, would, would be difficult because he couldn't end up as being, you know, Sarah's boyfriend at the end. So, yeah, I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was a, uh, I was going to say badly written. I don't know whether I really mean that. I don't, he didn't really ring true as a character, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, they couldn't really decide. I don't know. You know, he's obviously, he's obviously he, maybe the setup was like, oh, he's creepy, but he's not creepy because he has to help us beat the Daleks. So, right. You know, that's a definitively not creepy thing to do. And I think it was also trying to set up this parallel between uh, Nick and Sarah and Yaz and the doctor. Well, Nick will tell Sarah that he has a crush on her, but Yaz just can't bring herself to tell the doctor and Dan oh, kind of okay. Dan tries to encourage Yaz to speak out, and then he also talks to the doctor, saying, "You know, she has a crush on you." But the doctor plays clueless, and Yaz is just too scared to say anything. Oh, I didn't, I didn't pick that up at all. Yeah, that's that's insightful. Um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. No. So I'm thinking that's what it's setting up. But Nick was implausibly written for the type of character that he was, but. I think just to having to have the setup be this is on New Year's Eve right before midnight that somebody is going to have their storage self storage facility open then was pretty implausible to me and I know some of these a lot of them are twenty four seven but they're usually they don't need people there to let people in because there's keys and codes and. That kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I think that was explained at the beginning in that she has to be there to hand out the keys because they haven't been able mm. to modernize mm. it, which again struck me as like, oh, yeah, well, that's a bit of a cop out because that explains why you're there rather than, as you've just pointed out, you don't really have to ever be there. And then again, I think usually you get a key, don't you, or something? I don't know. She gives you a key, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I think in a regular storage unit, you already have a key. You don't actually have to. Yeah. There doesn't have to be someone there at all, ever. It's not, it's not like the front desk of an old-time hotel. Yeah, and I'm wondering <laughs> whether a hotel might have worked better, actually. Because a hotel is more like the kind of thing you get left by an uncle. Um, it still has rooms. There's keys. It's got corridors. People can store. I don't know. So... Mm. The whole storage unit thing seemed to me to be odd because it they oscillated between there being actual storage units with doors, um, mm-hmm. and then the fifth floor was just a giant open space filled with filled with you know um, beans. Uh, was that where the fireworks <laughs> Fire- were? I know the fireworks were downstairs. Explo- I think things. the can of beans they was downstairs. upstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you know is a I guess works for about a couple of seconds as a joke until you go like, well, why has he got all those cans of beans then? Because he's living there. That's what he eats. Yeah, but the, he does. He couldn't. I mean, that doesn't make him a realistic character, Jeff. It just makes him a, it makes him a joke. I, I, I mean, it makes him a punchline. Um, it doesn't make him a character. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was living in a storage unit, I wouldn't just live off beans. <laughs> I'd have other things mm-hmm. as well, yeah. probably. Especially since the unit that I'm living in has got like a sofa and, and bookshelves and like subdued lighting. I mean, it's, it looks actually kind of a pleasant place to live. Yeah. That doesn't really square with the, you know, th- literally thousands of cans of beef and beans. But anyway, yeah. It just occurred to me how I would have changed Nick. 
um, to make him more less creepy. Okay, good. I would have made him a regular. He comes in at night. He is an artist and a struggling artist. And every year he puts in everything he doesn't sell or everything that is rejected by galleries or something like that. And it's cathartic that he does it on New Year's Eve to have a clean slate for the next year. So you see him bringing in more than just a monopoly box. You you know he's he's hauling in paintings. This is paintings, sculptures, or whatever. And this is a ritual that he goes through every year. And you don't involve ex girlfriends, basically. <laughs> no, no, because it it doesn't it it doesn't ring true. It makes him start off as being creepy when actually you don't want him to be creepy. You want him. To, I mean, you want to feel sorry for him. Yeah. You want to be sympathetic. Yeah, you want to feel sorry for him. And I mean, as much as I would love to feel sorry for someone who's basically a stalker, um, I can't get up a lot of sorrow for him. In fact, you know, at the very end, it's like, Sarah, don't go off with him. He's a weirdo. Like, why are you going around the world with him at this point? Right. Uh, just find someone else. You're an attractive young woman. Off you go. Find someone who's less of a <laughs> less of a creep. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, that, that I think anything other than the possessions of old girlfriends. Anything that he needed or just wanted to start a clean slate every year. Yeah. But not weird type something, a creative something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go for that. I'd go for that. Um, and it would make him more sympathetic and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can't tell me that Chibnall's choosing the name Nick was not deliberately done for an inside Doctor Who production joke with both Nick Pegg being a Dalek operator and, of course, Nick Briggs being being the voice of the Daleks since the, the series returned. So I imagine that it was probably Nick Pegg operating the Dalek with Nick Briggs saying, when Sarah's calling out, Nick, is that you? The Dalek saying, I'm not Nick. I'm I'm sure that just had the entire production crew in stitches, multiple takes. Nice <laughs> but nice one. I'm sure that's the whole reason why uh, uh, a Johnny Salmon's character was called Nick. I like it. Yep, yep. I'm going to agree with that. That sounds, that sounds like a good production in joke. Yep. Just to get uh, Nick Briggs... And Nick Pegg saying, "I'm not Nick." <laughs> Who does? I mean, I mean, let's. I mean, let's let's just hand it to Nick Briggs again for a second. He does such a good job with the Dalek voices. Oh, they really amazing. are yep. good. I mean, he brings all of the menace and all of the stupidity um, and all of the alienness just so well. And obviously, it's a labor of mm-hmm. love for him a little bit. But um, yeah, no need to have any other anyone else doing the Daleks. I mean, I did like, so I, I'm now going back to the, I mean, I like that they, that, you know, the whole kind of premise is, I think I complained at the end of last episode that the Doctor, you know, didn't ever do the kind of little goggles fixing things very much, which right. was established at the very beginning as like, you know, a kind of cornerstone of her character. She did do it in this episode, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And also the setup, which is this time loop. Followed quite nicely on from the flux. You know, the Doctor has to, you know, reboot the TARDIS or whatever she was doing. Um, and the Daleks were there because they got exterminated or killed yeah. by the flux. So nice. I mean, you know, I mean, the, I, I think we've complained that the flux doesn't really have, you know, didn't really have any consequences. But, and this is a relatively minor consequence, to be honest. But, you know, it does have a consequence. And that, I, I felt, was actually pretty well done. And I think... Previous Doctor Who's time loops have just kind of, it's a time loop now. But I, I, it was good there was an explanation for it. I appreciated the care 
that was taken to present the time loop as something that probably had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, clever of Chibnall linking it to the reboot of the TARDIS and that they had to be outside of the TARDIS because if they were stayed inside, they would die. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Yep, like it. Yep. It's so, so it's 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 very it's very old school. It's very 1960s. The uh, explanation and the execution yeah. of that uh, idea. Yeah. yeah, no, I think so. I mean, you know, weirdly accurate piece of writing from Chibnall there. <laughs> um. <laughs> I didn't understand how, and maybe this is again a, a, a necess- necessity of the storytelling, but how in the end the cell phone auto answers and having uh, Sarah's mom, Mary, talk that the Daleks would recognize it. it. Most cell phones don't work that way. Was that because it wasn't working properly? I think the cell phone did exactly what we needed it to do whenever we needed it to do it. So, yes. Um, I mean, I think, you know, she couldn't turn off the volume. So we always heard it pinging. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a ma- it's a magic cell phone that that does <laughs> that does uncell phony things when we need With it to do that. Really good reception in the center of a self storage facility in the elevator. Yeah, yeah, very lucky. I mean, I wish, yeah, I wish, um, I wish T Mobile gave me that level of that level of reception. But there you go. She had five bars there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I think overall, for a Chibnall joint, uh, pretty good. With the caveats already expressed about Nick's character, the characters in the story were good. The Daleks were well-realized. Um, I think if Chibnall had maintained this as his base-level quality of writing throughout his tenure, we'd be speaking a lot more highly of, I think, Chibnall era. Or I would have appreciated it more. Yeah, it felt competent. It felt distinctive. It didn't feel like someone else's writing. It felt like Chibnall's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it felt distinct from an RTD episode or from a Moffat episode, yep. which I liked. And I think, you know, the errors in it were distinctive Chibnally errors, if that makes sense. Um, so then they're kind of forgiven a little bit. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, if this if this is this is this is top tier Chibnall. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, because it's 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 okay. It's competent. It's competent. <laughs> it's okay, and it is a perfectly acceptable hours worth or you know forty five minutes worth of Doctor Who to watch. Mm-hmm. Perfectly acceptable, but I don't not sure that's good enough. It was certainly good enough for New Year's Day Doctor Who 2022. I think it's a it's a very well place bit of television drama in the Doctor Who canon and I think it's a uh it is a standout for Chibnall yeah yeah no I, I agree I agree I mean it's, yes yeah yeah he had all his doctor characterizations in there with waving her sonic around she does a little speech uh trying to encourage all the people around her it kind of fell flat for me but I think it was well delivered on uh Whitaker's part, I, did, I think I'm just probably a little jaded to these speeches now uh, being given by the doctor. I'm referencing the one in response to Sarah right. saying, what makes you think it's going to work this time? And she right. and saying, we're going to just work together as a team. And you, you brilliant humans, do we have a deal speech yeah. um, right before they get exterminated yeah. again? No, I agreed. I think those speeches do great a little bit because um, they're all basically the same. Um, and they're all sort mm-hmm. of delivered in a similar in a similar manner. 
Um, I don't share Chibnall's sense of humour. I can understand what he finds funny, and it had all that in it. Um, the witty dialogue, which I think was was well delivered by Ashling B, wasn't actually as witty as he thought it was, um, and it wasn't as funny as he mm-hmm. thought it was either. But because you've got a top flight comedian delivering the lines then that makes she made it work yeah yep. yeah she made it work but i i it's it, it, it it's i um, it struggled to raise a laugh with me to be honest um and then as you say you know showrunners are desperate to present men as being weird creeps mm-hmm. which is fine because i mean a lot of men are weird creeps um but they shouldn't then turn into heroes but Chimlin doesn't always do it. He bent over backwards and laid it on extra thick with how great of a guy Dan was, Dan Bishop was. True, 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 with true. the food pantry and, you know, volunteering <laughs> yes. adjuncts. It's just like volunteering for everything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Right. So, and, and you know, a hero got along with his parents. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, he did, Chibnall did everything he did, could to make Dan really likable. But then he makes Nick creepy right off the bat. And was it necessary to make him creepy? No, I don't think it was necessary. Um, and it's 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 a, it's a, it's, a, it's a plot hole. It's a you know it's it's not necessary. I mean, it seemed to me that Nick was originally going to be one character, and then halfway through, he Chibnall realized he needed to be another character. And mm. I, I don't think the pivot really was executed well. I think he should have gone back to the beginning and kind of rewritten him completely. Very much in the way yeah. that the the you know that you described, you know, make him make that coming every New Year's be something that's not creepy. And I don't know how you solve the thing. Well how can you have a crush on someone you only see once a year? That seems weird. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know. Um is that normal? Well, I don't know. Wasn't wouldn't be for me, but rhetorical <laughs> uh, question. You know, he you could have him see her more often, and he knows she's going to be there because Carl always lets her down. Right, right, true, true, true. So it's not just once a year. The whole Nick characterization was problematic, and it reminded me the same thing of with Doctor Mysterioso, where the nanny had a crush on the mom. Yeah. And, was yeah. taking care of the kid and then living with her. Yeah. And sort of like, okay, that's kind of creepy, showrunner. <laughs> yep, yep. Doesn't work for us, and I don't think it works in general. So uh, try harder next time to come up with characters that are sympathetic from the very beginning mm-hmm. rather than off-putting. I think Chibdell missed a trick here by bringing back Carl. I'm sure everyone was just clamoring to see what happened to Carl after he kicked Tim Shaw off the crane. But... It should have been Jeff. Right. You mean at the very, yeah, at the very end, yeah. Yeah, at the very end. It should have been Jeff. Yeah, because, I mean, that, then we finally get to look at the famous Jeff who was able to supply us with everything that we needed mm-hmm. to destroy the Daleks. And I, I think the other thing with Carl, I mean, was, that was in... Woman Who Fell to Earth. First, Jody's first Yeah, story. but that was in Sheffield, right? Yeah. And we're in Manchester. Do we have an explanation why Carl is hanging around in Manchester now? Uh... Got run out of town? I don't know. Um, because, I mean, you know, I mean, Dan makes a point. Is it Manchester? Yeah, I think it's, it, was, it was Manchester, right? That's we, I'm pretty sure that, that we're in Manchester. Yeah, because the doctor says, ah, Manchester, when they get out. Yeah, and then Dan makes a face because everybody from Liverpool hates people from Manchester. I mean, that's well known. Mm. And then also spends a lot of time calling Yaz Sheffield because she's right. from Sheffield. Um, so we're quite distinctively told about the geography of the UK and how that works. 
throughout the show. So then to have Carl turn up just kind of randomly, he's now living in Manchester. Maybe he's living in Manchester now. I mean, yeah. People do move. Could happen. It could happen. Weirder things, more coincidental things have happened in Doctor Who than that, I'll, I'll say. I can't think of any right now, but you know what I mean. Sort of like, I cared less to find out about Carl than I did to have a sequel with Jack Robertson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, what should have happened? Sorry, I'm, it's usual at this point in the podcast, we start, we start <laughs> rewriting the whole thing so it's better. Uh, Jeff should have turned up. Like, um, who's the moustache guy who always turns up in, like, Lauren Hardy? Like, ah, you've broken my things. You know, he should be like, <laughs> like, my fireworks, my fireworks. Um, right. You know, that kind of stuff. What the hell? It was uh, my, my, be- my beans, my beef and beans. <laughs> and he should have been like really angry. Right. He, should, uh, be, or she, he should be looking at a can of beef and beans and like kind of sighing or something. Crying. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that would have been funny. I would have liked that. And also, as you said, it would have closed the loop and we would have found out who Mysterious Jeff actually was. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. Next iteration of a time loop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. When Eve of the Daleks comes around again in, in five minutes, um, it's going to have Jeff. Yeah. But overall, I guess uh, final thought on it is enjoyable hour of Doctor Who. I'd put this in the upper tier of the Whitaker Chibnall era. I would say it's definitely top tier Chibnall. As I think listeners to this podcast already know, there have been precious few for me um, during the Whitaker era. And this is not perfect, um, but I think this is as good as we're going to get. And, you know, if you map it against the massive disappointment I had with um, Legend of the Sea Devils, you know, it's <laughs> this is... a. Uh, yeah, this is this is this is good. This is this is good. This is as good as we get, and mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's good enough. It's good enough. Yep. I wish there were more like this during the Chimnal era. It's perfectly adequate, and as you say, an entertaining hour. But yes, we wish we could say more. You know what it needed? It needed more King James the First and more <laughs> Graham in a hat. <laughs> They could have given Dan a big hat. As soon as someone wears a big hat in a Chibnall story, I'm, I'm amused. <laughs> I'm amused for the whole thing, and I don't, I'm, I don't complain about anything. Just, just give, just give the, the main male character a big hat, and I'm, good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm golden, basically. They had that party supply room. He could have had a hat in there. Give him a big 17th century hat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, in that party supply room, they could have had costumes from all her past episodes. That would have been really meta as well. I mean, it would have been, yeah. I mean, And again, you could have, it's like time loop. The TARDIS is like, you know, spinning out. Folding it, yeah. Uh, you know, things that turn costumes into other things. Yeah, it all works. As I said, you know, really, you and I need to be hired by the BBC (laughs) as like script polishers for Doctor Who. Really, we could just polish this stuff up so that it becomes genius. But, you know, who knows? Oh, well, never mind. I guess we'll never have that job. Well, that's probably probably good for the longevity of the series not to have uh, two old fanboys (laughs) poking at the scripts. Two old white male fanboys. (laughs) Yes. Uh. One last question before I guess we go. Why wasn't the force field on the basement doors? Because they couldn't get out if okay. they didn't have a way to get out. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, I think in some ways, you know, Daleks always screw up in some way. So I was happy to let that one slide. Um, okay. I mean, if I was, if I was, um, if I was Sarah, if I was um, Ashling B, I'd have gone. Okay, I can't get out through the front. I'll just go out through the back. (laughs) 
which is somewhere that I already know is right. is there. I'll just go and check that door. Oh yeah, that door's fine. I will just leave there. You know, so etc. 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 You know the usual. Um, yes, you're right. He couldn't think of a way to disable the force field so they could escape. Do you think if um, they had walked the, the the resolution that if they could get outside the building, then they're safe? Would make sense. Yeah, it made sense to me. It okay. made sense to me that you know it's a localized time loop. You know the Dal- the the Dalek, sorry the the TARDIS is you know putting out Artron energy in some way that's time looping in mm-hmm. a in a single location. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm okay. happy with that. That's that's yes. acceptable if in the fiction of the series. Yep, yep, works for me. Works okay. for me. What doesn't work for me is like oh, there's a door that we've forgotten about. Um, I think <laughs> again we could have had I don't know the force field self-destructs for a reason you know that would have been equally satisfying go through the sewers that's what i thought they were doing oh yes yeah, sewers yeah yep yeah, yeah they could have found a manhole in the basement open it up go through the sewers exactly there you go perfect um i guess that would have made main that would have had to build some more sets and it would have cost more money <laughs> and i don't know so yeah. yeah i have to say the explosion at the end was great that was a really convincing collapsing storage unit uh, what wasn't convincing is that it was fireworks that destroyed it, but uh, uh, they were illegal fireworks. Those were really they were illegal. <laughs> really they big. were illegal fireworks. Um, I, so that was that was a nice that was some some nice. I don't know if it was model work or CGI or whatever or a combination of the two, mm-hmm. but I found that quite impressive. Yep. Well, again, the production it was uh, bang on. It I think they did well with the Daleks, and I thought they did well just in general. Yeah, a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean they did okay. I mean, I I don't see, still don't see the need for the for the kind of rotating Dalek cannon um, for an, an execution Dalek. What they should have had, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. I can't remember his name now, who does these really kind of excellent, kind of really horrible Doctor Who inspired drawings, and, and he has a. Um, I'm looking on Twitter, but I can't find it. Anyway, whatever. Um, if you if you is it is Sam someone. Anyway, um, he had a great drawing the other day of a um, of a Dalek, um, an executioner Dalek, that had instead of Dalek bumps had skulls. Oof! Yeah, that's horrid. I know that would be cool. <laughs> uh, Sam, uh, he on on Twitter, he's Sam Gingle, so G I N G E double L, hmm. and he has some great, some great, doc, really, really creepy Doctor Who artwork that I I think is excellent, and I thought that. The Dalek, a Dalek executioner that instead of having Dalek bumps had human skulls. Now that, that's a Dalek executioner. Pretty creepy. Yeah, anyway, there you go. Maybe I would have done that, but again, you'd have had to build a whole new Dalek rather than just stick on a new gun. But yeah. Whatever, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Yep. Happy New Year's. Yeah, and Happy New Year, New Year to you. I'm, we'll be seeing you in... Uh, 2023. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for... Space year 2023. Yes, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Episode 218 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been time looping with Ben. And I have been escaping through the back door um, with David. (laughs) (laughs) Into 2023. Into into the space year 2023. Excited to experience all the glory of the diamond anniversary. Yes, and yes. Jody at Gallifrey. That's going to be massive. Exactly. That is going to be massive. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. Good Lord, poor woman. <laughs> I mean, I hope she realizes what she's letting herself in for, to be honest, but there you go. Uh, it'll be 
It'll be chaotic. It'll be a riot. Yeah, it'll be a riot. But I think, as I said in maybe the last episode, um, you know, that'll mean that maybe there'll be fewer lines, um, less queuing for, you know, some of the other Doctor Who luminaries who are there. Yep. We'll see. All right. Right. Yep. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. That was oh, that uh, works. That was an uncharacteristically short episode, but you know, there's only a certain amount to say, isn't there? Really, to be honest. I, I mean, it would be hard to talk for an hour on an yes. hour episode. <laughs> As I said, you know, it was a it was a perfectly adequate piece of television. So that's, I mean, you can talk for an hour about something that's rubbish, right. and you can talk for an hour about something that's brilliant. Something that's like, yeah, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harder to do, but there you go.